0: What's up, postdocs? This is your host, Dr. Matt Mary. This is the Postdoc PT Experience. This week's episode, we had on Kylene Cochran. Kyleen is a Drexel physical therapy student, and she is a soon-to-be published author, which is why I wanted to have her on the show. I think that she brings with her an extremely unique perspective. And we touched on a lot of things in today's show that I think are often overlooked in the physical therapy profession. Kylene decided to write this book based on her previous experiences as a Division I runner at the University of Pennsylvania, and she's been through a lot, to say the least. Uh, Kylene is a very fun and energetic person, but she's also extremely passionate about what she does, and she's very passionate about the things that she's been through. Just a fun fact about Kylene, which is funny and it's making me chuckle as I read it right now. Um, for those of you that know Kyleen, this might not come at any surprise to you. Uh, it certainly does not to me from my experiences with Kyleen, but she showed up to her first day of class in undergrad with no shoes on. She was drenched in sweat because she forgot she had class and she basically ran to class so that she wasn't super late and she <laughs> walked into the class with no shoes on and the professor was genuinely concerned and asked her if she was okay. Um, I can't imagine what that would have been like, but that's Kyleen. So without further ado, the postdoc PT experience. Kyleen, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so you're your saying this podcast? is your first podcast.
1: Yeah, so... I'm pretty excited about it. It's gonna yeah, I'll it's, it's, always remember this moment.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad I can be a part of it. <laughs> All right. So I'm really, really excited about this episode. I think our listeners are really going to get a lot out of it. Um, so let's just jump right into it. The reason why I wanted to have you on the show is because you wrote a book, and that's pretty freaking cool, right? <laughs>
1: Thanks.
0: So w- what is the book? Tell me about it. Tell our listeners about it.
1: Yeah, so the book is called The Unfinished Race. Um, it's pretty interesting because this is probably like a long story, but I actually started writing this book like seven years ago. Um, I started when I was in undergrad. So I ran at UPenn. I ran track and field and cross country. I love being there and I love running. Um, and I ran in high school, but during my first injury, which occurred my freshman year at Penn, um, I got injured. And i had a femoral stress fracture so as an 18 year old it was definitely really hard for me because since i never was injured in high school i felt like i definitely had this lost identity um and also like as a freshman in college you're adapting to so much like you're adapting to new roommates i was adapting to trying not to get lost in philly (laughs) um Also, just like not being in my home environment, not seeing my family. So there is definitely a lot already going on. And on top of it, like being injured and losing running, I definitely felt this lost identity. So what I started to do is I just started to write down how I was feeling. And it helped so much. Honestly, I think I just loved like putting my thoughts down because then I no longer had to process them myself. So that's what I did. I really just wrote uh, something for myself and I never, you know, intended to share it with anyone. It was just kind of like personal things. Um, But then what happened? So that was my freshman year. And then my sophomore year, I got injured again. This time it was a tibial uh, stress fracture. Um, And that was a really complicated diagnosis too because at first the doctors thought I had something else. They thought I had bursitis. So it was, it was a long, long haul, but eventually we figured out it was a stress fracture. So I had to take more time off. Um, so again, I was away from the team. I was away from that one aspect of myself. I felt so certain about, um, and then my junior year, I had two injuries. Um, (laughs) there is an end point to this. Um, so I had two injuries junior year. Um, and then, my senior year, I got injured as well. But what I realized throughout, after each injury, I was always writing and I saw how my writing was transitioning. And I guess it was during COVID that I had this like moment during COVID where I was just like scared for the future. And I began to just really appreciate the present and appreciate each day that I had.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I had this thought, I was like, If I don't write a book now, like, when will I? And I I just decided to do it. And I kind of had already put together a lot of those pieces that I wrote after undergrad. But I felt like I didn't want to just know my story because I'm only, like, one person. I'm an end of one. So I reached out and I posted on social media. Like, I had this – I really posted, like – DM me if you've ever been injured before. <laughs> and Like I got like such great responses and it was amazing because during COVID, during this time of my life where I was so isolated away from friends, away from family, I was connecting with people on Zoom. People who I had never even met. It was awesome and I yeah. loved it and I was just having these like open conversations like about the injury process with other people and I realized there's there, like, something has to change about the injury process, and even just from being in grad school, there's not enough light shed on the mental psyche of injuries, and so many people were opening up to me how they struggled more so mentally than physically, mm-hmm. so I don't know, I said this, like, it was just so amazing, like, how I have these awesome connections, and I started to, like, kind of piece these into the book, and I was just so passionate about it that, you know, I just like the writing came like that wasn't the hard part it was like sure. i had already found this passion so i started to write it and you know covid was a good time to do it because i needed like an outlet i just needed something to keep my mind busy so yes the book happened i kind of forget the question <laughs> honestly <laughs> i'm sorry that was really
0: long <laughs> no that's that's okay that's that's but, why i wanted that's why i wanted you to come on the show i mean it's a book you have there's a lot it, there's a lot yeah. of information in there there's a lot to talk about so the question is, what, what is this book? What is it about? You, uh, so far, you've kind of told us uh, the, the why, why you decided to do it and the how. It sounds yeah. like it kind of started out as a, a little bit of a journal almost. Yeah, And exactly. then kind of transitioned into this awesome book that you're coming out with.
1: Oh, thank you. So the book is about, I mainly interviewed uh, female runners. That was kind of like the main focus, just because that's where my experience stemmed from. And... I wanted to just really hear about like their uh, other individual's personal stories. So I mainly interviewed interviewed female runners and I did interview a male runner just to hear like another perspective. But a lot of the book, it starts like in the beginning. I provide like a lot, even like with PT School Help with this, but a lot of background information on just female running in general Mm -hmm. and stuff that I wish I knew in high school. So I would, I really want to cater this book to like all individuals, but especially like the younger runner populations, because I never had the education that I feel I, that I know now that I wish I did. Sure. So I talk a lot about the female athlete triad, and this is something that I was diagnosed with at Penn. So it's definitely the origin to like a lot of my stress fractures and a lot mm-hmm. of my injuries in general. and. I remember I went and saw this doctor and he told me, you know, a lot of your injuries are stemming because of what you did in high school and like not uh, getting a regular period. So I was like, wow, like I wish I knew that at the time. Like I wish I knew this about my body, about female health. So a lot of it is about women's health from that sense. So that's like one part of the book. And then the other part of the book is a lot on that mental impact of injuries. And I found like a lot of really good articles um, and research on how much of an impact injuries can have on individuals' mental health. So that's the second part. <laughs> and then the third <laughs> part of the book, I really want to transform the running world. And you know, during a lot of these interviews, a lot of females open up to me about having eating disorders because they're like, in this environment. And it's, it's sad to me that, that the running world is associated with that, that individuals are going through this. So I'm trying to like transform the running world and, you know, try to normalize these hard topics that people feel they need to keep to themselves. So by writing the book and kind of sharing my story, I hope that, you know, one day somebody won't feel as alone in the process.
0: Sure. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Um, I think kind of the, the best way to get at this a little bit deeper is, I mean, you kind of broke it down for us already is into these three parts so dive into a little bit. Tell me more about this, um, like this lack of knowledge. Like what, what do people need to know? What, what is there? What yeah. are high schoolers going through that, that they're not getting that's resulting in them getting injured?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So actually one of the chapters, I interview a high school runner and I wanted to know what are these misconceptions that high school runners have right now? And it's so interesting because a lot of what she said was so similar to what I thought at the time, and you know, everyone thinks you have to run a lot of miles to be a fast runner, right? Like the fastest runner runs the most miles, and that's not the case at all. Um, a lot of this book is about you know preparing to start rather than finishing the race, because it's the healthy runner that makes it to the starting line, and it's the healthy runner who's going to win, even and later on in life. Like that's the one that's going to win. Um, just because they have a healthy body, they have a healthy mindset. And so I look back on these misconceptions and I thought it was crazy that they're still the same, that like everyone still has these same ideas. So one of the things I really want to talk about just from a young runner perspective is like, you don't need to run so many miles to be the fast and that actually incorporating cross training, incorporating strength training, and making sure that you're having really good nutrition is gonna mold you into a beautiful athlete like you're gonna have this sense of fullness in all aspects of yourself um so that's like a big one and when I was in college I actually only ran like three times a week by my senior year like senior year I was on the distance team and my max mileage some weeks was 10 miles so Mm -hmm. and I still ran really fast times like I just, I started to do a lot of cross training. I did a lot of swimming. Um, I biked a lot. So I was still challenging my body, but just in a different form. And I was trying not to have so much pounding on my body because of all my previous injuries. And I also saw a nutritionist. So I wanted to make sure that the amount of energy I was expelling, I was taking in a lot of food. Mm -hmm. And I like to think of it like, I don't know, like, your body is doing this great thing for you. Like it's allowing you to work out and like your heart rate's going up. Like it's doing all this stuff for you. And now you have to give back to your body. So that's that's kind of like the message that, you know, I try and talk about in the book a little bit too. I also say in the book how I don't think the workout is completed until you have that meal that just like nourishes you and your body um, back to like, it's just so important. And I did not consider a lot of that when I was in high school, yeah. Definitely. And you know, it's no one's like fault, and it's not my fault, but I just wish I had known that information at the time. Sure. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, so, I want to say. Anything.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Is that
1: okay? <laughs> yeah, um, go ahead, please. And then, just from like the mental um, perspective of it, there were days in college where, like, this is when I was injured. And it was winter and I had to go jump in that pool. And I give swimmers so much credit because I wanted to cry some days. Like it was so freezing. And the thought of having to jump in the pool was torture. And I still did it. Like I made my mind and body go through something that I, at that day, I was like, I cannot do this. And I still did it. And honestly, I think I would have gotten further in my training had I just been like, you know what? This is my day just to like focus on myself. Like. I don't think it's worth putting my mind like at that, you know, like I wasn't enjoying it and I was, I should have just gone and like read a book that I liked for 30 minutes just for myself. Like I was already going through this injury and this difficult time and I wasn't listening to myself. So definitely just listen to your body, but listen to your mind, like, and just know, like, you should be happy. <laughs> like <Sure>. I don't <laughs> think I that's something that I didn't really, you know, take into consideration. At right. All.
0: And I think, retrospectively it's easy for you to say that
1: oh yeah definitely
0: but in the moment it's it's probably completely different right
1: oh yeah oh my gosh because in the moment i was like well my teammates today are doing this hard workout so i feel like i should be doing something so that i can make it back on the track and um but like looking back on it it was just like i think of that time and it was like a painful time like a painful experience and I don't know I just I wish I would have just adapted to the situation and been like I just need to do this workout a different day like sure. there's gonna be another day and if I'm feeling so down right now it's just not worth it sure but yeah it's definitely retrospectively easier said than done
0: yeah definitely and I think now we have a unique perspective of looking at this topic and these kinds of yeah. things as healthcare providers yes but- I think one like one thing that's often overlooked and this is kind of where I hope the conversation gets a little bit later but just to start the the conversation now is are we even thinking about this like as healthcare providers or these is this yeah. something we're thinking about with the patient in front of us or is it just a running injury that we're seeing or are we thinking about yes what makes the patient like why why are they pushing themselves to mm-hmm. the limits and why is this injury happening in the first place and like what is that story if that makes right, sense
1: right. yeah no um i think that's like huge and it, i think it touches on the aspect of empathy in a way as well because i don't know i was like i lived this experience but it's through this experience that i realized the questions i need to ask later on like as a healthcare provider just because i was in that moment i think you know even personally me like a patient comes in and you can get caught up on the diagnosis that's written there, especially like a physical diagnosis. Like if someone has like an ACL tear, e- even for example, like we have protocols that we want to follow. We want to get that strength back, that range of motion, right. get them back to like running or whatever sport they were in. But it's like, I think, you know, I do want to, when I am presented in that situation, I do want to think back on like how are they mentally and, you know, what were they doing prior to this injury that could have even impacted the injury?
0: Sure. Yeah. And I mean, going off of that even more, I think just trying to really put yourself in their shoes and yeah. and not even just from thinking about it from uh their perspective, but also like asking yourself internally, the healthcare provider, how would I feel if this was me in this situation? Yeah. Yes. What what would my thoughts and feelings be?
1: Yeah. Because even for runners it's like if you tell like a runner like okay like don't run it's like good luck it's like no (laughs) like they want to run so it's like you definitely like that's something I have to remind myself like I was this patient at one point like I know exactly how they're feeling um but yeah it's definitely something that I want to even as I start working and everything keep in mind and like not forget
0: sure yeah so Before we move on into this part two of your book or um, however it's organized, there's something that you brought up about not knowing this information and not having access to it. Mm -hmm. Why? Why, why don't you have access to it? What, what is that barrier? What, why don't high school female athletes or even male athletes, why don't they know these things? What's preventing that information?
1: Well, Yeah. So I thought about that. And I think at the time, like when I was in high school, running was this novel experience for me. It It was awesome because like my first race, honestly, I was running around the track waving to my dad. I was like, Hey, what's up, dad? Like, this is so fun. Like I just started this whole thing. I started running with like no background information and no one in my family had ever ran or anything, but it was something that was so novel. And like, so naive in a way, and I loved it, Um, but I think the lack of the information was also because of the lack of experience, and um, because, like, no one else in my family ran, and, you know, in school, it's not like I ever learned about, like, runners and the female athlete triad, you know, I was learning, like, like, science, like, English, all those subjects, and I didn't really have anyone older than me that I feel like I could have, you know, reached out to, or, like, had any idea of, like, about running um yeah. so I think that it's definitely because I was and I was also the oldest in my family so it's like that's my own personal thing but I think from a more global level it's just not something that's taught in high school either like I think people people always ask like what do you want to be when you grow up in high school and it mm-hmm. definitely changes when you get to college but you know I was interested in PT in high school but I wasn't looking up like all these journal articles because I didn't know how to do that in high school yeah. at the time. Like Google.com was like my thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I do. Flip notes. <laughs> exactly. So it wasn't until like uh, college and even grad school that I was more into looking up journal articles. And you know, I had that education and I had that help to be like, okay, this something's going on here. I need to look into this even further.
0: Sure. So. I mean, whose responsibility is it to get this information out there?
1: (laughs) So what I would love to do one day, um, one day I would love to coach. Like that would be amazing. But I would also think it'd be so important just to like, like I don't know who would be like me or like someone who like knows a lot about the information, but like, just like go to high schools and like talk to coaches, talk to trainers and just be like, these are things that I think we need to look for in our athletes because I mean, a lot of high school coaches are, like, teachers at the school or they might not be professional, like, know all this information that they need to know. And um, that's very common. So I feel like having someone to go to the school and just, like, educate the coaches and anyone who's involved, like, these are some red flags. You know, we talk about red flags in PT school. (laughs) But, you know, just, like, look for these things in these athletes, but also let's educate the athletes on these topics. I think that would just go so far and like, help so many athletes, even when they're at the college level, because they would have had that information so much sooner.
0: Sure. And what you said, basically, to me boils down to one word. What? And that word is advocacy.
1: Yes. Right? Yeah. So
0: based on what you're telling me, it kind of sounds like, and makes me question, are we as a physical therapy profession doing enough to advocate and provide information to the general public? Are we doing enough? Right. Or are we just waiting for people to walk into our doors?
1: Right. Yeah. So it's almost like advocating for it prior to even happening. Sure. Um, so, yeah. like you
0: said, going to the schools, going right. into the high schools, going into the middle schools, yeah. providing information to the coaches and the athletes and the, yep. the athletic trainers, even though they're more well-versed in that, but like, are we doing enough as a profession?
1: Right. And yeah, that's something that I feel like our profession could really touch on and make a huge difference. Like, sure. oh, it's just like, let's educate, like we, we always talk about like patient education, patient yep. education. And that's actually one of the reasons why I also wrote the book. Cause I'm like, I don't want to start educating like until, like I'm not a PT fully yet. I'm still in school, but why not start educating now? Right. Like, why do exactly. I have to wait? Why do I have to wait till I have the degree to do so? And yep. like, I don't know. I think we, as a profession, we have so many different aspects. Like we have sports, we have ortho, we have neuro, like we can be like educate so much sooner, even for these younger populations.
0: Sure. And I the think older
1: like everyone.
0: Yeah. And I, I think just to kind of keep this little topic going because it's fascinating and it's I think that PT we we harp on this idea of prevention like let's yes. let's not let things happen. Oh the American healthcare system it, it's broken. We're treating things after they already exist. Mm-hmm. Like we need to be making all of these measures like making sure that these things don't happen in the first place, right? Well right. Let's look inward. Are we doing that? Right or are we waiting to provide patient education rather than education so that maybe they don't even have to be patients?
1: Yeah. No, I think that's something that our profession definitely, you know, should work on. Um, I think we have like just a huge like potential to impact this area. You know what I mean?
0: Sure. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think that This kind of gets at kind of the the crux of the the conversation that I really wanted to have you on about as far as the, um, as far as this book goes, because as far as I'm aware, there are some PTs out there that wrote books that that they do have textbooks written out there, but I'm not that aware of many PTs having well-known books out there from the educational standpoint, Right. I mean, we Mm -hmm. see it in physicians. We see so many physicians that have books out there. We see uh, public health officials and everyone has a book these days, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I I think one of the things that made me so interested in having you on was is our books and our podcasts. And is this the way of the future of getting information out there to people? Because I mean, I think people are going to keep reading books. People are going to keep listening to podcasts and it doesn't really cost them anything.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, You know, I think just like from my own experience, like uh, having like written the book and everything like that, I think I'm hoping that when individuals like read the book, um, they will know like, well, yeah, because it's published in April, so I won't yet quite yet be a PT yet, but yeah. <laughs> close, close. Um, I hope they know, like, I wrote this, you know, it's kind of like my journey through this education process and learning so much about my body, but, like, I once was that patient, like, for so many years, like, four years, so I hope that people pull from, like, yes, like, a lot of education from this book, but also, like, I'm not alone and, like, I can get through this, so, like. I hope it also has more of that, like, empathetic aspect to the book, not solely just like an educational type textbook, you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: I just want to connect, even like, you know, people reading this book, you know, they might not be my patient one day, or my patient might not even read this book, but I hope people know that as a healthcare provider, like, I've lived it, I saw the fault in this system, and now I want to fix it, so that's kind of like a big hope that I have um, for this book.
0: Yeah, I, that's awesome. And I think that that transitions really nicely into the next point of the the book that I really wanted to talk to you about and kind of connecting it to the PT profession rather than just continuing to talk about the book and all of the things that it has. But w- what's it like being a patient? I mean, I, I know personally that I've been a patient, but it was so long ago that I I don't remember if my what the things my PT was doing besides the fact that she was digging in my uh, (laughs) psoas muscles and it was excruciatingly painful. That's the only thing I remember about PT. (laughs) Right, right. What's it like being a patient?
1: (laughs) So yes, I was a patient. I want to say like, even now I'm still a patient because in undergrad, yes, I went to PT and I saw my doctors, but then I still have doctors that I follow up with now. Like I still go... To my endocrinologist because I want to make sure everything is like right that because I went and I ran like so many years of intense running that you know it can like impact long term health and I just want to make sure like that I'm still you know good to go. But anyways, (laughs) so I'm still a patient technically. But when I was at Penn, um, I actually wrote about this in book because I went through a point like after having all those injuries, I like, I hated entering into doctor's offices. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I almost felt tears coming on before I even walked into the doctor's office because I always heard bad news. Um, and that, like, really impacted me. And it was definitely, um, it was hard sometimes because I knew that I was going to go in and they were going to say, you have a stress fracture, you can't run. Like, here's your script to PT. So I, you know, that was kind of like my experience just after having repetitive um, uh, treatments having to go to the doctors but I what I loved about PT is like they they gave me hope right they're like okay mm-hmm. so if we do this and that you know we're going to get you back to running at like this time so I was provided this timeline that really helped um, and still like I was sometimes still walked into PT like you know feeling very sad and I don't know I just like bummed out that I had to go to PT or that I had to go to the doctors because everyone else was running um and where I went to PT was like right next to Franklin Field which is Mm -hmm. Penn's track so all my friends are like walking to the track and I'm almost walking being the patient again and um so it was definitely like mentally hard sometimes to like even like show up but patients that do show up like good like because I learned so much and I was able to get back on track and even now like later on my health is in track like I'm at a better place so it I'm like so happy that I just you know kept doing it.
0: Sure and I think that what you just described is something that and maybe I'm just speaking from my own perspective and biases but. Even from my interactions with PTs and my colleagues, I think that what you described is something that we don't always think about as physical right. therapists. Yeah. Because the patients are taking time out of their schedules. Most of these mm-hmm. patients are busy, and unless they're retired oh, yeah. and they've got nothing going on, right. they're taking time out of their schedule to come to your clinic three mm-hmm. times a week because that's what you think will get them better. Yes. Right? Right. That's a big commitment. It is. And I think that we overlook that sometimes. And just, uh, we only see the diagnosis. And like you were saying, sometimes, like hearing the story, and yes, we want to be empathetic and all of those things. But just the um, the time commitment and the cost commitment, too, I think that we overlook. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And it it just, uh, I, I think even for me having gone through residency training, that's not what the residency training focused on, but I feel like that is such an important piece of giving good quality patient care. Yeah. Am I wrong?
1: No, definitely right. And also like this aspect, like from the patient's perspective, like it's not easy, like asking for help, right? Like it's not easy, like relying on someone else to, you know, give, provide you information on what you need. Um, and that's something that even so, like, you know, when you're in the clinic and you're treating patients, it's like a busy day, and like you see that next patient, like you need to like bring your mind to that perspective. Like this yeah. patient is so relying on you, um, so you just gotta put everything else away and just like focus on that one individual. Sure, I think that's huge.
0: Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, we've all been there. Friday afternoon, that last patient of the day, oh, you're yeah. like, oh. <laughs> fingers crossed, are they going to cancel their appointment? But <laughs> no, I mean, I mean that you're totally right. It, it is like, and I know we've talked about this in other episodes and I, it's kind of cool that themes are cut consistent across the episodes, but this idea of like reframing the way that you're thinking about things, right?
1: Yeah, Clinical
0: decision-making is so much more important and so much bigger than just what the evidence says that we should do, right? right this is what this is ultimately the what we need to be thinking about uh, the evidence yeah great let's let's make sure that we're providing the patients the best that's going to that we right. know is going to get them better but that's just one part of it
1: oh exactly yes and like also like just from being a patient um just to add it always like made me feel really better when either like a doctor or like a pt like someone told me something that i can do even like outside You know, being in that office because I was like, I am in control of my health and I can really fix this. So, even so, like whenever I'm talking to patients, I try and like remind them, like, you know, you are fully capable of this. You know what I mean? Like, just letting them know that they can get better.
0: Sure. Yeah. I I mean, I think you you're spot on right there because our job as physical therapists, and again, this is just my opinion, but our job is to not get people better. Our job is to help people get themselves better.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. No, I I love that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So what what can people take away from, if they they choose to go out and read this book, what can people take away from hearing this story and hearing all of the stories of the people that you talked to, what can we take away to to make our practice better, or to change the way that we practice?
1: Yeah. So definitely like a lot of what we already like touched on before, but I guess I'm going to say this from like someone reading the book who is a patient or someone who is like a PT. Um, Someone who was reading this book, who's undergoing their own injury. First off, because this is something that really came up and I think is important to address, like don't feel guilty because that is something I struggled with. And I feel like I only recently like got rid of the guilt because I felt like every injury was my fault because, you know, I made human decisions. Like was, and I would ask myself, is this because I ran too many miles? Is this because I changed my sneakers? Like every single crazy idea would cross through my mind. And I just don't feel guilty because like it's no one's fault. right? Right. And I think as a patient, like, Always give, I used to always say this, but I still think it's so important. Just always give tomorrow a chance. I would have such bad days and I was like, I feel like I'm not getting better. I'm seeing the doctor, I'm going to nutritionist, doing all this stuff. And I would just be like, you know what? Just gotta give tomorrow a chance to reset and see that it's gonna be okay. I just think that's like a huge, important factor to consider. And also, uh, I had someone else that I wanna say, oh, yes. still from like a patient perspective, um, just like listen to what your mind is telling you. Um, Even like in this new year, I am focusing on being more present and focusing on this idea of if you adjust and adapt to your situation, you will find happiness because you're controlling that emotion. So anyone who's like undergoing like a difficult injury, a difficult time, like just try and just like fully be present and adjust. Um, And don't think about how it could be different or don't think about what you don't have because that's only going to make the injury worse. I know that's easier said than done, but it's something that I'm still trying to work on in this new year. Um, But that's actually something that I do talk about in the book as well. Okay. Sorry, that was a long response.
0: No, you're fine. That was very well said. You should write a book.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Matt. Um, And then I guess from like more of like that PT provider perspective, it's like, remember like the person in front front of you is human and they're going to have like all of these own struggles, even just like walking into the office and so many hopes walking into that office. So how you present yourself and, you know, just really listen to them and validate what they're saying, I think is huge. Um, I think the best gift you can give someone is really listening to them and hearing what they're saying. Sure. And um, I mentioned this, but my favorite quote is "Judge a man by his questions rather than his answers. And I think it's by Voltaire. And I remember I got that quote from like a sippy's cup because I used to put like quotes on the sips cup. Um, but I think it just resonates so much with like the healthcare field, like ask the right questions, show that, you know, you want to know this patient, but I think it's questions that save lives.
0: Sure. Yeah. I'm, and I, to add another quote to your repertoire, <laughs> um, <laughs> something that one of my, Clinical instructors told me while I was on a clinical rotation. And to this day, every day I walk into the clinic, I tell myself this. It doesn't matter what you know until the patient knows you care.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: So it doesn't matter that you know all the latest evidence.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. To
0: to kind of keep this into a a postdoc PT experience tie with residence education and fellowship education.
1: Yeah.
0: It's great to emphasize all these things. It's great to be, to want clinical excellence, right? It's great to be the cream of the crop when it comes to knowing what the latest and greatest research is. Yeah. That's great. The patient doesn't care about all of that stuff.
1: I love that quote. Oh my goodness.
0: Right. The patient doesn't care The, the patient just wants to know that you care and that you can validate and hear that they have pain and that they have disability. They're, they're missing out on things that they want to be doing.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Right. I love that quote. I'm going to keep that in mind.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I, it just, it, it reminds me every single day that sure I did residency training. It's great. I walked away from residency. I'm so thankful for it. It's the best decision I ever made. But to me that, Residency didn't quite give me that appreciation for truly valuing the patient experience. Right. Right. And so the reason why I wanted to have you on is because I think it's really, really powerful, the examples that you're providing, and it serves as such a good example of being clinically excellent And I think what you're describing and valuing patient perspectives, like obviously that's part of the, the three, uh, uh, the stool, you know what I mean? The the three, (laughs) the three pillars of clinical (laughs) excellence and evidence-based practice. But I think we forget about it, honestly.
1: Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And like you kind of said before, especially when like the day is just so busy and you've had a lot of patients, you've had a crazy day. It's like, you know, the stuff that really matters you kind of get like lost in the mix and that's why i think you know before a patient walks in i try and do this i just try and like reset myself and just like clean slate um not the easiest thing um granted but yeah i think i also i've tried to incorporate like even just when i'm talking to patients i i just want to say like ask them like how's your day going like sure i don't I don't dive right into like okay so you're here for this um this is on your chart like how did it happen right like mm-hmm. I actually just like want to know my patient like how is your day going like and I just kind of start with just a general conversation and then I begin my history um that's something that I actually had started doing
0: yeah i think that you're you're in a really good spot and you're i mean you're not <laughs> even a pt yet <laughs>
1: You're so nice. I'm back on clinical, so that's nice. <laughs> yeah,
0: so you're you're, uh, you're remembering why you uh, are putting yourself through all this torture. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> all this education. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> yes, no, being back on clinical, oh my God, I just finished my first week. So it's like, yes, this is why I did it, right? Like, this is why I went to school, and this is why this is what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah. It's been well, really nice. I think that we, we talked about a lot of things so far and I think that you made a lot of really really good points and I'm really looking forward to getting this episode out there um and I I hope that people take away as much as I did um just to wrap up is there anything that we didn't that we didn't go over that you want to say about whether it's you personally or the book or anything to any of the listeners
1: yeah well if we wrap up wrap up, I definitely want to say thank you so much for having me. Um, This has been like a great first podcast experience. Um, And I guess I just want to tell um, every listener out there, like there definitely was um, a point in my life where, you know, when I was injured and I felt very alone, very isolated. And I just definitely wasn't myself. I was lost. I was definitely lost. And it's crazy to think because I continued to just think about tomorrow, give tomorrow a chance. And it's kind of crazy to think that I made it to this point where I'm now in PT school and I just wrote this book. Um, So anyone out there, you know, I just want them to know that they're not alone. And, you know, as someone who was a patient once and hopefully one day a provider, like I'm here to listen to you and just know there are people out there who really want to see you get better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I think that you're, uh, it's it's a really valuable point that you just made so
1: thank you
0: thanks for coming on the show for all the listeners out there her book is called <laughs> the unfinished race it's out yeah. in april right
1: yes it's coming out in april Very okay. excited.
0: The, the unfinished race check it out if you want to learn more about this topic or if you want to learn more about kyleen and her experiences or the experiences of other injured runners thanks thank you so kyleen that. for coming on the show
1: <laughs> i appreciate it so much thank you see you, everyone Bye.